Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. And in week three, all the events of the book of Acts are beginning to ramp up. Things are about to get real and continue to get serious in a fun way. Last week, we saw one of the most historic events in human history, all right, Acts chapter two, Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and indwelled in the lives of the believers and the outpouring of that, what did we see the result was 3,000 people got saved on that day. So what in the world do you do with 3,000 new Christians, right? How do you connect them? How do you help teach them? How do you help grow them? How do you help them through the struggles what are now going to face them in their new decision, right? Because the goal of the book of Acts was not simply to create converts. They wanted to create disciples. And so how do you do that? We're gonna see today, God's plan for that, he says, I have a plan. It's called the church. It's called us and our gathering and what we do together. And so we wanna take a little bit of a look at that today. And let me just take a quick little bunny trails. We think when we talk a little bit about the church, uh, and I talk a little bit about maybe even the American church or even the global church, I, I hear often from some people like, man, oh, you're at that, I don't like mega churches, man. Mega churches are all the problem. Can I just remind you, that the very first church ever formed was a mega church. Uh, 3,120 people came to know Christ. Now listen, these were actual people, not like my Baptist days. I mean, these were people who actually lived in the city and were still alive, you know what I'm saying? I mean, these were 3,000, thank you for the four of you. These are 3,120 people that are there. In fact, the norm of large temple gatherings all through the New Testament was large gatherings. So I just want to remind you, if that's a little bit where you hear your heart go, listen, the, the problem is not the size of the church. <laughs> the problem has become the size of the ego and the size of the entitlement of the leadership. Size wasn't the issue because from the very first church, that's where it began. And what I love about the book of Acts, it's going to tell us this. It's going to tell us how to make a big church feel small and how a small church will grow big because all throughout the New Testament, we see over and over and over again and the Lord added to their numbers daily and regularly those that were being saved. And so uh, that's the thing here. And since we're talking about church, let me give you a quick little snapshot of church in the United States, right? It's changed a little bit over these last few years. So just for you an idea, uh, the average church in America today is 65 people. Down from pre-COVID, it was 137 people. Interesting. 90% of the churches in America are under 350 people, but 70% of the people who attend churches attend the top 10% largest churches in the country, right? So over 350, 70% of the people uh, do that. Lex City, we are far from a mega church, but we're actually in the top 2% of sized churches in our country uh, here today. The average pastor is 57 years of age. And so for the next two years, I'm below average. I shared, <laughs> I shared that statistic with my wife, and she said, that doesn't surprise me. I've known you've been below average for many years. You know, So that's it. It's like a two years uh, that I'm living in the dream as we go. But that's just an interesting picture, right? We tend to think there is a growth, but the average church in America is really quite small, and yet the average person in America attends a, a larger venue of 350 that's over. So what does that look like? What, what's the purpose? The, the Apostle Paul reminds us again of the purpose of this movement 
that we're reading about called the church. In Ephesians chapter 4, kind of gives us the marching orders. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Now, here's what, now don't miss this. He's going to say, I gave these. Be reminded of this, that the church is not given for the preacher. The preacher is given to the church, right? And this is the purpose, that he gave these things. Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. If you're not catching this, over and over in the book of Acts, there's lots that deals with leadership. Acts deals with the empowerment of you. The power of the local church, the strength of Lex City is you in the seats. The accountability for what we do and who we are is you, right? And so this is the, the idea. So he's given to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all obtain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to measure of the statues of the fullness of Christ. This is why you gotta grow and mature. So, verse 14, that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about for every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, this is what we should grow to be, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped, then each part is working properly. And here's what he tells us. It's working properly. It makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Paul says, here's the deal. This is why we gather. Because when we grow in genuine biblical knowledge of who God is and what that means to our life, then the outpouring of that is going to be what? It's going to be genuine love. It has to be this combination, right? I just say it this way. Knowledge without love produces arrogance. And love without knowledge produces indulgence, right? I, I've been in that circle before. Knowledge without love, we're just arrogant. We're just spiritually arrogant about how we know and what we know, and we're just convinced we're superior, right? That, that creates the arrogance. But if you have love without knowledge, it produces indulgence, right? It's just butterflies and unicorns. And the reality is there is some truth in how we live our lives that goes different, right? So we're going to see what I love today about the early church in Acts chapter 2 we see this wonderful balance between these two, right? Between knowledge and heart response uh, and how we go. And why is that? Because we saw last week. If you missed last week's sermon, I encourage you to go back. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives, the indwelling life is so important, right? It produces in us knowledge and understanding in the minds of new believers, right? Helps us understand the scriptures and things that we're saying. I say it again today. Like some of the stuff in Acts, this is complicated and hard things to get your head around. And if you walk away thinking, I think I've got an understanding, that's the work of the Spirit, giving you truth and under, helping you understand it. So it produces knowledge and understanding, but it also produces conviction and actions in our lives. So it's not just head knowledge. At the end, right, there's going to be something that happens because what I have heard and what the Spirit's moved in my heart. So again, what I love about the early church in Acts chapter 2 is there's evidence, what we would call the fruit of the Spirit in the New Testament church as we go. Let me put it one other way, and then we'll jump in. Here's the process. The Word of God does the work of God as the Spirit of God works on the hearts of the people of God. Catch that? Let me give you two one more time. It's the Word of God does the work of God as the Spirit of God works on the hearts of the people of God. And that's where we're going to go. So if you've got your Bibles, if you would take, go to Acts chapter 2, if you got your phone, you can go to lexcity.info again. All of the sermon notes are there. If you're new with us this morning, great way to keep contact with all the things that are happening at our church, lexcity.info. But let me read for you Acts chapter 2, 
Verse 41 to 47. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, if you've been around church any amount of time, you have heard this passage, right? Acts 2.42, it's what the new church... I've preached it twice in my six years when I've been here with you, right? It's kind of a standard. And what I love about Acts chapter 2, it's both this. It's both um, descriptive, I would say it this way, yeah, it's both prescriptive and descriptive. In other words, it describes what's happening and it also tells us prescriptively how we should act one another, with one another in the context of the church. And so we see in Acts chapter 2, both of these are true. But what I love about it is it's kind of this baseline. It's kind of this ever so often checkup. Acts chapter 2, we read it, we look at it, and we really ask this question, right? Are we simply going to church or are we being the church? That, that's the question I would have for you today. 2023, right? Are you just coming? Are you just going through the motions and doing this? Are you actually part of being what the church calls us to do? And I think that's the value uh, of going through this series every few years as we do. And so Acts chapter 2, as we look closer and we read those verses, we see this, right? We see a group of people gathered who are committed to community over consumerism. They simply weren't here to say, what can I get out of this gathering? They're simply saying, what can I give to it? And this genuine love that we're going to see over and over today spoke to a lost world who was watching this brand new movement. Verse 47 tells us that. And praising God and having favor with all the people, both in the church and outside, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Pretty amazing. So what's the secret sauce, right? God, how do we get to that point that we would have favor in our community and we'd get a chance to see men and women and boys and girls come to a saving knowledge of Christ on a real regular basis? Here's a big thought for today. Our witness will enhance our witness. Let me see if I can say it again. Our witness will enhance our witness. Let me flesh that out for you, and that's what we'll see today, right? We know the opposite is true. When there isn't withness, I didn't even know it was a word, but I found that it actually was a word because it was on the internet, so I know that's true. And um, so what's the opposite of witness? We, we know what that is. We've experienced that in North American church, right? Tribalism, an overemphasis on secondary doctrines, bashing one another over and over on social media, the failure of senior leadership at some very high-profile ministries, what has it done? It's all led to distrust. It's led to disunity. It's led to a lack and a loss of witness in our world around us. And you know the challenge. It's not only that distrust has been an impact into a lost world, it has been an impact into the Christian world where disunity and distrust, and we've become disillusioned by the lack of witness in our witness. And you look and say, I don't think this is the way it should be. And as a result of that, think about this, in the, it's the first time in 20 years there has been a decline in church attendance in North America. 
and all the things that we face. First time in 20 years. And if we're honest, right, it's been a change of mindset. The ground has shifted a little bit. Consumerism has been emphasized over a community that we have together. We've been more concerned about being entertained rather than edified, things that come. And a place that once existed that we would come and die to self and live by the spirit has become a thing that we come that's all about self. And we can't figure out why a lost world looks and says, I'm not interested. And we can't figure out why in 20 years for the first time across denominational things we're in a decline. Why? Because Acts 2 says, here's the litmus test, and I would say we've had a drift on some of these areas. Acts 2 reminds us there's been a drift in us institutionally, and there's been a drift in us individually. So that's where the work begins. Verse 44, here's the parameter. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all who had need. What? Are you saying the Bible's promoting socialism? And uh, we need to be a communist state? Is that what we're saying? If a truly devoted believer, if I really love Jesus, I would sell everything I have. And everybody's going to get an equal thing on the way out, little bags. And uh, is that what? No, it's not, right? Remember the context of where they're meeting, right? They met in the temple and they met in homes. <laughs> there was private property ownership in the context of the early church. And uh, Luke's not speaking against that. What he's reminding is this is that they had possessions, but they held them loosely, and they shared with one another as there was need. I mean, that's the withness that was becoming a part of their witness, right? We say it all the time. We had an early church that had been blessed, and so their idea was, I'm gonna be a blessing with what I have been blessed with. You may say, well, that's pretty cool. What does that look like at Lex City? I need to sell my possessions, bring them down the front, we'll distribute. Here's, a, here's, a, here's how it works in our context. Because part of it, I wanna take... Acts 2, right? Descriptive and prescriptive, right? Some of the things, the principles are there. Why do we have groups? We have groups because of Acts chapter 2. Why do we care for those in needs? Acts chapter 2 tells us this is one of the things that grows our witness with one another in the world. So we have a thing called Lex City Cares Fund. And you may be familiar with it, you may not. For years, we've had a small group of people who have just faithfully and out of a generous heart have given to this fund and we use that fund to handle all of the benevolent needs that we have. And so when people in our church family have a need, they call in the church, they connect with their elders, and we're able to meet that need. Now, here's what's been such a blessing. All through COVID, all through even now, this downturn in the economy, we've been able to at least address to some level all the needs of our church family and the things that have been going on, and we're so blessed by that. And many of you in this room today could give testimony to that I was at a difficult time, I was struggling, I was blessed to be able to call the family, and the church family was able to meet your needs along those. So here's my challenge for you to consider today, Acts 2, right? The witness of who we are, let's just join maybe the small percentage of people who have been so faithful and generous to do this. And I say generous, let me just continue to refine it. When I always think about giving, there's two kinds of giving, there's obedient giving and there's generosity. I think obedient giving is our tithes, the things that we return back to the Lord. Generosity is what we give above and beyond that. When we give towards things like this, when we support compassion children, when we give towards missions, I mean, that's just out of a generous heart, so obedience and generosity. And so I'm so grateful for those who have been giving out of a generous heart towards that. And so here's my encouragement. Would, if, would we join maybe some of us, the few, who are just caring for the family? It's a witness kind of thing. Who knows? 
$10. If everybody gave $10, $20 a month, or one times a year towards this fund, it would just help us continue to meet the needs of each other and things that we do. You say, how do you do it? Click on the screen. You go to our webpage, pretty simple. Front webpage, see a little area that says give, four over? Hit that little give button, next slide will come on up. You'll get a little drop down, you can give the general fund, you can give the missions, and you can give the Lex City Cares. It's an easy way that we do that. Um, and it's just a tangible way that we can just be blessed and be a blessing to one another, right? That's our, that's our expression of Acts 2. How do we care for those in need? That's how our church does it. I don't think I've ever told you that. And uh, so I wanted to be able to share that with you today. It's a simple way to share with others. And that's the heart of Acts chapter 2. And what I love about it, it, it contradicts, right? Have you Think about how different what I just shared with you. It contradicts, I think, the heresy of this prosperity gospel that you hear. Acts 2 is not about, hey, let me figure out how to get healthy, wealthy, and wise, right? Love God and all these. No, no, no. It says, let me tell you about how you are being blessed and how you bless one another and how the family blesses each other and we take care of each other. It's a wonderful thing. And so I love Acts 2. It, it just combats that thing. And I'm reminded the importance of this kind of perspective of what God calls us to compared to this prosperity. Listen, a lost world was looking. This new thing happened in Jerusalem. And they were drawn by the witness of their witness. They were not drawn by all of a sudden, oh, look at all these attenders. And now they're wearing, wow, these designer sandals. And man, the camels. Ooh, these are pimped out camels. I mean, I want to know what's going on here. Let me come know this Jesus guy because I can, I can get the bling for the camel, right? That's not what it's about. They were drawn. Why? Because there was an authentic, genuine expression where they saw all people come together and a common heart and a common love for one another, and their hearts were moved by the selfless love and the generosity of the people of God. So I'm reminded, when we gather each time together, right, we gather more than that. We gather not just simply to meet each other's physical needs. I mean, there's government organizations that will do that for us. We gather not just to do that, but we gather to really meet a spiritual need for one another. Go on to verse 42, back to Acts 2. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Two things. We have content, and we have community that happens in Acts 2.42. And this is what makes the church different than any civil group or any governmental group. It's these two things, content and, and community. The content... Uh, it was the gathering, and what are they devoting themselves to? Was the apostles teaching, all right? Or the word of God. He says, this is what is central to what we do. And it reminds us the importance when we gather. Like, this has to remain central to our gathering, right? Why? Because this is the only source of, of absolute truth in our lives. This is the blueprint and how we should live. This is when we come and I say things that you don't hear everywhere else, like, Actually, you need to die to yourself this week. And actually, the scripture says, in that difficult relationship, you've got to seek how we can find forgiveness and restoration. Actually, I'm going to tell you, your possessions, it's, your 401k is important, but it's not the thing that ultimately matters. In life. You see, And so this is the, the playbook for life as we go. And it's the place you're going to find absolute truth. That's why I would just say to you, if I was a parent and I had students and young kids, listen, I would not miss a week of putting my kids in the context where in the only place in their sphere they're gonna hear absolute truth. Newsflash, if you haven't figured it out, uh, TikTok, 
their school and their friends probably aren't giving them the truth of what you need to know in life. Man, I put them here every time I can. Why? We're just reinforcing what you are already speaking into your kids' lives in your homes, but we're probably one of the only few places in your life that does that. It's the power of that. But So again, we can just go back. They're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. If you wanna have your family have a Christian worldview, then you just gotta expose them to Christian truth on a consistent basis. You know what I'm saying that way. Quick side note. Uh, so I was thinking about that, that next generation in doing that. We talked today, you got a little bit of the emphasis from the, uh, the video, right? This week we're talking a little bit about this idea of serving and, um, and highlighting that. And we talk a lot about the importance of our next generation. When we became Lex City, however many years ago that was, one of our hearts was, listen, not only just a name, we want to be a church that's for our city. That if our doors close tomorrow, that actually our city would know that we were gone, right? So the question is, if we want to be a church for our city, then who is in our city that the Lord has placed us? Our, our, our target, or at least people that we've been highly aware of. Here's what Lexitonians, their, their makeup is. Average age, was it, 34.3? College-educated dual income with young kids. So we've said, we just want to be aware that the largest percentage of lost people in our community are around 34.3 years of age, have kids, and are involved in that. So we say, hey, we want to value uh, young families and support them in a way we can because that's where the Lord has placed us. And here's the amazing thing. When you ask for that and you trust the Lord, then the Lord seems to answer. If you look around, because I'm just getting old, everybody looks young to me, but you know, uh, if you look around, that's who God has brought into our, our family. We're so blessed, the number of young families. Now listen, talking about serving. Two weeks ago, we had the largest number of kids in Kid City that we've had for three years as things kind of bounce back. Last week, it was larger than the week before, which is awesome. But here's the challenge. We actually had to turn some families away because our classrooms were full because we have ratios just for the safety and protection and the development of your kids. And so we had to turn some families away. This week, we've added a new class to try to create room and space for new families coming. Here's just a point that I want to share. If you want to help, here's just a meeting need. If you want to help support young parents with young kids, can I have you consider just maybe I could volunteer with Kid City for a while? One time a month, two times a month. Julie will be out in the Welcome Center and, it's in, and uh, after service, just talk to her about that. Why? You're saying, I don't even like kids. I don't even care. If you, but you, you, do you remember what it was like to try to get little kids ready for church? Today it was raining. It would have been so much easier to stay in bed but families gathered them up, clothes didn't match, got halfway in the minivan, looked back and said, what? And he's like, dad dressed them, it's all right, you know? And uh, they brought him here, and I'm just saying, I, I just love young families, we're so blessed to have you here, we just wanna support you practically. One way we can do that, being devoted, committed to one another, you get the idea. Welcome center, check it out. They're devoted again to the apostles' teaching, right? Dispensing tr truth. This is what I loved, happened in two contexts of Acts chapter two. That teaching happened. It happened first, a large group meeting was in the temple, all right? Um, large masses groups in the temple, and then we had this intimate gathering that was happening in, in homes. And these two contexts of teaching, here's what I want to remind you, was complementary one, one to another, right? The large group says the apostle preacher has something to say. The small group says you have something to say. You see how these work together? One, I hear it. The other one, I, I interact with it, and I involve myself in it, and both are really important for spiritual growth. 
And we know this, that they gathered together, right? They met in these homes. They broke bread, had dinner. They shared meals, times of prayer. Community was there. And we learned something about the importance of community, especially in difficult times. Certainly difficult times individually, and you've all, we've had those seasons where you've had to lean into the family, difficult struggle in your family, struggle with your kids, work, work challenge, we've had those. But institutionally, we, we know this, when persecution comes, and persecution is closer to our shores than you may realize that it is, and it's closer than you think it's gonna do, community becomes paramount. When struggles come from the outside, then what with this thing together is, is so powerful. We saw it all the way back. The start of the church starts in Acts 2, if you remember, and the seeds of persecution started right off the bat at Pentecost. Remember, people were looking, and they were speaking in tongues and different things, and people from the outside said, you're drunk. You're out of control. You're not safe, right? Whatever it was that they're saying along these things, we saw that at the start. Acts chapter 4 Persecution moves beyond just simple verbal accusations towards the church. Acts chapter 5, Christians are already now being started to be thrown in the church because of their faith. Acts chapter 8, Christians scatter for fear of their lives and being persecuted to a point of death. And so these gatherings of small groups became essential for these young believers. And the same is true today. We've got the underground church movement in China that's exploding. We have our own partnerships and our own brothers and sisters in India who are meeting secretly in homes under great persecution. And the greater the persecution comes, the greater the importance of community and connection with the family of God. And it's so fascinating. What the enemy means for evil is what God is using for good. And the church is exploding in some of these persecuted countries. Why? Because believers looked at each other and said, in the midst of all this, I need you more than ever before. And their faith became grounded in such a powerful way. And community is what sustained believers through really the throngs of persecution in the early church. Shouldn't surprise us. The Bible says it. Here's what Hebrews chapter 10 tells us, right? And let us consider how to stir up one another towards love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. As persecution, as anti-church sentiment grows, then he says, man, don't forsake the assembly. It's not time to shrink away. This is time to lean into one another like never before. And we talk about this idea, it seems like in a foreign sh shore, but can I just remind you, the bar has moved even our lifetime. Even here in our amazing country we live in. I mean, the sacredness of church has decreased amazingly in my lifetime. We're not experiencing any kind of persecution like our brothers and sisters in India that we got to visit a few months back. But think about where the bar has moved. The, the, our society no longer values church and assembling together. If you've got kids and sports and clubs, I don't need to tell you this. Everything every weekend works against you trying to get your family to gather together here, right? If you work in retail or anywhere, I mean, our, our, your companies don't really care about your faith practices, the requirements that's there, and it's just changed. Institutionally, listen, I, I think we're gonna lose our tax exemption over a period of time. If we don't conform to some of these things and we hold to some things that are foundational to our faith, I think the government will say, all I'm saying is the ground is shifting underneath us and Hebrews says, when that happens, this becomes so important. 
The gathering together is what builds us up and encourages us, and we hold strong in the midst of that. And we see that in Acts chapter two, in the weeks to come, in the summer series, when we go look at some of the Acts of the Apostles, you're gonna see this, the church who just started Acts two, by Acts eight, they're running for their lives because of their faith and how God works up. So I say to you and just remind you, church, which once seems like just an optional event on our calendar, will all of a sudden become a lifeline to your faith. I believe that will happen sooner than we think it will happen, even in our amazing country. So you have this new church, and these things are happening, and, they, and they're so excited, and they value getting together. And I love this, because Luke includes all the details, because he's a blue. Uh, he says, listen, I, we didn't just meet once a week. Like We're meeting every day. We're getting together after work. Now, listen, I'm not recommending that. I mean, I love you, but as an introvert, every day, a little space is good for both of us. Uh, but here was the point I'm just saying, man, like church, the family, this is central. Here's what he's saying. It's central to our lives. Of all the things we do, gathering and encouraging and praying and just caring for one another, it becomes central in our lives. And what's the result? Of that? Verse 60, 46, got to keep moving. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food, here's a great, with glad and generous hearts. There was just joy. There was just joy in the early church. I'm just glad we're together. I'm glad to see you. I'm glad to have you in my house and we break bread. But because scripture, I love the, the realness of it, lest least we think, oh man, Acts 2, amazing church, no problems. It was just great. Everybody was, listen, uh, Luke reminds us uh, that it wasn't quite the perfect church without any problems. In fact, next week, we're going to look at the very first church conflict that happens uh, in there, right? Because the church is made up, even in Acts 2, of people just like you and me. And uh, it would be maybe no shock to you that the first conflict recorded in church history deals around this area of finances and resources. Uh, but that's next week. So I just remind you today that it, it wasn't all perfection, right? We're all a work in progress. It was from the very first. But today, as we close out Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, I'm going to remind you this, that we find this brand new thing called the church united in one purpose. And their unity brings gladness and a generosity of heart. In verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They found a purpose, something bigger than themselves, and they loved accomplishing that purpose together. That would really be my prayer for you and for me at Lex City, right? That this would be a place that you would just find joy that our time together and what we do together would just fill yourself with gladness, it would fill your heart with generosity, and if that would be the case, that our withness would be the strength of our witness in our community. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for just the reminder of your heart and your intent for what this thing was, the body of Christ, the local church, that there would just be a unity of spirit, <laughs> a unity of just purpose and love for one another. 
And that as the world looked from the outside, this idea of withness and community would be so attractional. They would say, I don't get it and I don't understand it, but man, they seem to care about each other and I want that. They seem to value the family and value my kids and I don't quite gather it all, but man, I, I just want them to experience that kind of thing. And in that togetherness, our witness would grow. So Lord, today for each one of us individually, may we just ask that question in 2023, am I just going to church or am I being the church? And the answer isn't a program and the answer isn't a to-do list. The answer is simply an attitude that when I get out of my car, the question I simply ask is what can I give rather than just what can I get and God, how can you use me and who needs a hug and who needs some encouragement? Who can I do life with? And, and a God in a day and an age where we have never been more connected and more isolated, there is something so beautiful about the family of God. And so, Lord, we ask that you will use us here at Lex City with all of our flaws and our shortcomings, but God, that you would use us to be a safe place where love is experienced and love is expressed and the gospel is centered to what you want to do in our city. So, Lord, we love you. Thanks for our chance to play our role in this time in human history. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.